And Lord, we pray now that you would speak in ways that we can hear you. If there's anything weighing on us or distracting us, Lord, please give us grace to lay it at your feet. And there, Lord, we hope to learn from you. So please speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So the people that make up the lectionary, sometimes they get it wrong. Did you know that? For example, the gospel today should have been read on Super Bowl Sunday. But it wasn't, and we're late, and this doesn't make a whole lot of sense now. So I have to apologize. But when you ever see these big American sporting events, somebody is almost always holding up a sign, John 3.16, right? Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we read later in John that what eternal life is to know the Father, to be in living relationship with the one who loves and creates, created us. But the good news of John is so much more than that one verse. It's just, this is just bursting with good news all through the gospel because it just shows that God loves you. God does everything necessary to be with you. And it's, it's really helpful for us to remember this. So I'd like to unpack it a bit this morning. Um, and uh, we just have to set the scene. This is happening at night. Nicodemus is part of the Pharisees, and, and he's going in secret to meet with Jesus. And he has this, it's almost a conditional expression of faith. He's kind of like, Jesus, let's have this uh, conversation off the record. Let's keep this quiet between you and me, okay? And then he admits, we know who you are. We know that you come from God because the signs you performed. But it's almost like it's almost like he wants Jesus and him to work out a way for Jesus to join the Pharisees so things can go smoothly. They can plan a, a, a strategy going ahead. And then Jesus backs it up and he says, Hold on, you wouldn't even recognize the value of the works I've done if the Holy Spirit had not been working in you, if you had not been born again. And uh, it's kind of humbling to say that we're on this, this ship of salvation that's kind of moving on. It's not up to our own efforts. It's actually God who started the whole thing going. But we are invited to be crew members on the ship and not just to be passengers. And the question is, will we accept the invitation to, to sort of move up in ranks on the ship and become those uh, servants of the kingdom. So when you think about it, Nicodemus is kind of like saying, Jesus, we know this is going to be a tumultuous time. How do we prevent the rocking of the boat? I can't remember if I told you this story before or not, but last, I think it was last summer, Isaac and I were at Camp Medley, and we were out uh, canoeing in the river. And we saw these little things along the water. We didn't know what they were. They were just on the surface of the water. So we paddled over to one, and we saw that it was a bee struggling on the surface of the water. And so we took their paddles and we got a bee up on, out of the water, put it on the cross beam of the canoe, and it was drying itself off there. And, and I said, Isaac, I think it's going to be okay. I think it's almost dry. It's going to fly soon. And he said, what? And the whole canoe went over. <laughs> and things didn't end well for the bee. <laughs> You know, nobody really wants to rock the boat. It's uncomfortable and it can be dangerous. But Jesus came to rock the boat. 
And, and you know, when, when Nicodemus is saying, let's get you in here, let's, let's make this strategy, let's work together to make this happen, let's push forward the Pharisees' agenda together, and then we can follow you when you get in line with us. And Jesus says, back it up. You wouldn't recognize anything special about these works unless it was for me. Here's the truth. If you are open and even interested in God and the things of God, that's the Holy Spirit working in you already. Nicodemus cannot manage that. We cannot manage that. I listen, one of my favorite podcasts is about a skeptic and a a believer debating different things. And I've concluded in my mind that unless the Spirit works in that person's life, they're not, they will not believe. It's got to be a work of God. There's this beautiful story of Billy Graham uh, when, when he was in China. And he saw a Buddhist monk across the way and he, he was stirred in his spirit to go and speak to this guy. So he went up and I think it was through an interpreter, summarized the Bible, summarized the message of salvation. And then after this long speech, he said, so... Do you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And the response from the the monk was was something that was puzzling to Billy Graham. He said, accept Jesus. I don't need to accept Jesus. Jesus is right here, right now. The monk continued, "Uh, the story that you've told me today, I've known the truth of that story my entire life. I just never knew the name of Jesus. Thank you. Billy got in trouble for telling that story because he sounded like a universalist. But that's not universalism. That's the Holy Spirit working in the heart of a, of a human being because we have been designed to relate to God. So when you have... I know everybody in this room has people that they want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. We can't argue them into the kingdom, but we can pray the Holy Spirit would be at work in their lives inspiring faith and transformation and the knowledge of how deeply they are loved and how precious they are in the eyes of God is something that, that we can do every single day. In verse 7 it says, you must be born again. And another way of interpreting that is you must be born from above. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit to just pour into people's lives that they may be born again. <laughs> uh, years ago, I was visiting a, a lady in the hospital, and uh, it was, I was training to be a chaplain at the time, and she was in duress, and I, I heard her calling out. So no one was coming, so I went in and said, hi, I'm Paul. I'm the chaplain on duty. Can I help you? And she needed help, and I won't give you the details, <laughs> but afterwards I said, you know, can I pray with you? And, uh, and she said, well, yes, please. So I prayed with her. And uh, then afterwards, she goes, what church do you go to? And I, I, I think I was at Parish Church at the time. I can't really remember. And, and she said, uh, she said uh, You're, that's not a Baptist church. <laughs> and I, I said, no, it's, it's an Anglican church. And she just said, but you prayed for me. And I said, well, yeah. And she said, you offered to pray for me. I said, well, yeah. She goes, well, are you born again? And I said, well, yes, ma'am, I am. 
Because for me, when I, I knew God all my life, but I was angry at him most of my childhood. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that I actually said, Jesus, I want to live for you. Um, and that was a, a life-changing moment. The next day, I went in to visit her again, and her husband was there, and she said, Dear, this is Paul. He's an Anglican, but he's been born again. God works in weird and mysterious ways. Whole traditions of our faith have been shaped by this little statement of being born again. But what matters more than that moment in time is the fruit of the Spirit that develops in us over time. The question we need to ask ourselves, do I have more peace in my life? Am I more loving? Am I more kind? You know, do I have more self-control today than I did last week or last year? Am I, more in, like, am I resembling Jesus more now than before? That's what matters. Am I keeping my eyes on Jesus? Because that's the sign of new birth in us. When you think about it, think of a baby. They had no role in being made, right? We won't go into details on how they were made. <laughs> if you're interested, I'll tell you about a giraffe story from last week. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, but when, you know, they don't breathe on their own, they don't get their own nutrition in the womb, and when it comes to the labor, they don't deal with that. The mother deals with that, and, you know, with all the pain and everything, and if the father's lucky, his hand endures a lot of that pain, and the mother grips it. Finally have feeling back in my pinkies. Um, but the baby doesn't do anything. That's Grace. And, but Nicodemus was so confused. How can a man be going the second time into the womb? How does this happen? And Jesus says, you need to have a spiritual life, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. Even our talking this morning, we talked about water and the Spirit. And Eva, Eva believes that, that Nicodemus was baptized by John. So he had that baptism. And for us, baptism is a dying to the old life to be raised to the new life. This happens when we plunge someone under the water and come up, or when a baby is baptized, uh, uh, we have, uh, some, we used to wear those long robes all the time, and uh, I learned a while back that when we baptize a baby and that, that sleeve covers the baby, it's like a funeral shroud, a way of being buried symbolically, and then they, they're re revealed again. I thought that was neat, but baptism by water is that turning around, that dying to the old, and the spirit is being made new, and it's a process. We don't get kids done, <laughs> right? I hate that. <laughs> we get kids begun in baptism, in the, in the new life of Christ, and in this community together. But how? How? Jesus goes on in verse 14 to say, that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So this is from Numbers chapter 21. The people of God displeased Yahweh, and he sent a bunch of poisonous serpents into their midst, and he, they were biting the people, they were getting sick, they were dying. Moses cried out in prayer, and God said, make a bronze snake, put it up on a stick, and those who look upon that snake will be healed. That's, have you ever noticed the medical symbol has a snake on it? That's where that's from. Jesus is lifted up. He's to be lifted up on the cross. And as we fix our eyes on him, we don't have been poisoned by snakes, most of us, 
but we have been infected with sin. And when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that poison of sin is being taken out of us and the effects of that poison are being taken out of us so that we might live more fully. Why? Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so that they may know the Father. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross and in this season of Lent we're journeying towards the cross, right? When he was put on that cross, Jesus received the worst humankind could give him. The hatred, the betrayal, the pain, the humiliation, all of it, we threw at him. And what the cross proves is that the love of God is unconquerable. It's unbreakable. Because no matter what we threw at Jesus, he forgave. No matter how many times we cursed him, he loved us. John chapter 3 is so pregnant with the gospel Even I was saying earlier, we could write 18 sermons on this just for one day. And it's no wonder that people bring it on placards when there's going to be thousands of people around to say, what does John 3.16 mean? There's even that one football player that has it taped under his eyes. I don't know if you saw that. So to recap, here is what we have read. God loves you. God is at work rescuing you and freeing you from sin right now. God wants us to be part of his crew to model and spread the kingdom throughout this troubled world. God delivers because he loves and he accomplished on the cross uh, what we are now invited and we are now invited to look to Jesus who will continue to transform us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for coming into our mess. Thank you for loving us so perfectly. We pray, Lord, that, that as we are burdened with our loved ones who, who have no sense of, sense of your love, we pray even now that your Holy Spirit would be at work in their hearts and in their lives, that they would start to wonder, and that they would be made sensitive to your presence and aware of your love for them. And Lord, use us. Use us to be agents of blessing and recreation in this world. In all things, Lord Jesus, please be given the glory because you are worthy of everything we've got. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.